Hello, and welcome to Special Issue, Wiley's podcast for societies about all things scholarly publishing. I'm Stephanie Wilson. In this episode, we'll listen in on the talk given by Dr. Asib Irfanula at our recent virtual society executive seminar. Dr. Irfanula is an independent consultant focusing on environment, climate change, and research systems in Bangladesh. At the seminar, he discusses innovation, impact, diversity, and open research, and how all of these are connected when it comes to scholarly publishing. Here's Dr. Irfanula. But when we talk about uh, open research, open science, uh, definitely we have been had we have had over the last uh, century or so so many different models, free uh, journals or subscription journal. Now we are not only talking about open access journals, but also the hybrid uh, modality of publishing it. But over the last few years, we have been hearing two different concepts a lot. Of course, we have been hearing the word open a lot, open, open source, open data, open research, open access, open review, open science. But at the same time, we are also hearing diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it is not only diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, considering the ability of our people, the gender identity or age is also about the geographical diversity, inclusion, and equity, sexual orientation, as well as race. But how does these two issues uh, are connected when we talk about a scholarly publishing industry as a whole? When we talk about these issues, equitable open research, we are not talking about how much money we have. We are not only talking about how much technological advancement we have achieved or we can uh, capitalize on. It is not only about fairness and justice. It is more than that. We need to ask ourselves, equitable, a system, but for whom? Who is going to make it equitable? What are the major areas we need to intervene? When we talk about equity in accessing global research, let us focus on what is happening in the global south. We often call them lower and middle income countries. Many things have been happening over the last few decades. I will give you two examples. You are all familiar with Research for Life, uh, which uh, started in journey almost two decades back. And it is a joint effort of so many uh, uh, agencies mandate uh, uh, to make research open to the countries, developing countries, which uh, might not be able to access research that easily. And now we have heard their success stories. And there are so many, literally millions of researchers from the global south, more than 125 countries we are talking about. Thousands of research papers, thousands of journals, and millions of research papers have been made accessible to them. But when we talk about uh, these kind of uh, projects uh, ran for, for decades, initially, given the advancement of science and technology and economic advancement of individual countries, do we really need this kind of uh, projects or programs making global research accessible to the global south. Earlier this year, INES conducted a study on research for life. And they concluded that, yes, research for life is still relevant. 
is effective, it is impactful, and it is still needed because the demand is still there. We have, we have reduced the gap between demand and supply, but we haven't uh, fulfilled the whole thing yet. The second story or second issue I'd like to raise is we have talked about the Global South accessing global research. What about Global South publishing its own research? Imagine uh, I'm reading, I'm a, uh, of course I am, I'm from the Global South, I'm reading global research, that's fine. But now the question is, can I publish my research in the journals which I have been consulting? Because definitely when I'm citing the research, uh, citing my uh, citing those journals in my research, I am enhancing the branding of that research. I'm contributing the improvement of the metrics. How does it sound if I'm not able to publish in those global journals because of financial barriers? Does it sound fair? To me, uh, definitely they are doing fantastic uh, work because although we see vast range of APCs reaching out to almost $10,000 per paper, per article, but many of the big, not only big publishers, but also mega journals, open access journals, they are offering waivers and discounts based on, uh, the, based on the author's country of origin whether they fall into certain A category or B category countries designated by Research for Life. And uh, I would say that it is helping Southern researchers a lot, no doubt about it. But shall we call APCs the holy grail or shall we call that it is trying to uh, work as a band-aid of a, of a huge problem that is still need to be uh, covered uh, in terms of uh, filling in the gap? To me, I would like to call it a stepping stone because we need a transformation, but we have to start from somewhere. And there are so many different open access models being uh, tried out. For example, uh, PLOS's open access models. Uh, three of their journals are being uh, published following the community action publishing modality. You have to be a member. If you, don't, if you are not a member, you have to uh, pay a different uh, type of uh, APCs. There is a global equity model as well. Of course, there is a not so uh, appreciated uh, flood fees and it is still there. It has to be there because you can't shift all to different models at the same time. So things are being changing. So that's a good thing. But when we talk about Global South or uh, researchers from the Global South, they are publishing research. Are they publishing only in the journals published from the Global North? No, not necessarily. There are literally thousands of journals uh, published by the Southern societies and institutions. And in many cases, if not all, most of them, uh, they are free to publish in. Anybody can access them. It is because the, those journals are being published uh, with a very small amount of funding supported by the organizations as well as by the government. It doesn't mean those go uh, governments are rich. No, they are not. But the 
whole publishing expense is so small and all the editors, reviewers and other employees, they are working almost voluntarily based. That's why the cost is so small. But things have been changing. There was a study published earlier this year by Science Europe and Coalitionists, and they studied 16,000 open access uh, diamond journals. And although they vary a lot in terms of a standard indexing, the challenges, uh, but there are, if we know the context, we can improve it. If we know the challenge, we can overcome it. So it's a good starting point to me. But when we talk about equity in global research or in scholarly publishing, we need to bring in the Southern journals to our discussion table. Otherwise, the whole discussion will remain incomplete. The third point I would like to uh, share with you is, if we say that inequity is a challenge in open research, do, uh, does everybody recognize that uh, in the same way? Do we really call it a challenge? Let me give you some examples. There are many Southern researchers, they are happy to publish their research in their local journals, regional journals, because these are already open to them. Everybody can read it. So openness is not a challenge there. But I call it a kind of a nationalistic isolation because I'm reading global uh, literature by utilizing Research for Life or other um, avenues, but I'm publishing it locally. The reason is quite simple. My institution might not be appreciating where I'm publishing my research. What's the impact factor, whether it is subscribe journal or uh, open access journal? Uh, where does it fall in? Which uh, quartile? Doesn't matter because the recruitment rules and promotions might not, uh, might not appreciate those. And in many cases, uh, some institutions, they prefer their researchers to publish in a regional journal because regional journals need to be uh, running, you know, they need to continue publishing uh, their issues. But there are uh, certain researchers who are quite extrovert. They go for North and South collaboration. And in that case, they, they kind of they shift the responsibility of overcoming open access publishing or APC's challenges to their northern counterpart. Uh, those uh, researchers, especially the young ones, when they know the rules and regulations, they are very much aware of those rules and regulations of the journals. They can go for, they can request for the waiver. And they don't shy away that, oh my God, it will take time. So, or it, they will decline me. Why, do, why should I uh, approach them in the first place? They are such a big journal. Uh, that lack of confidence is also there. So I think that when we talk about open research, it is not only equity is a challenge, but we have a new challenge before us. We are moving away from true sense of research impact as we are bogged down with numbers. So what can we do? I think first we need to change the narrative, the way we think, the, the, the way we describe. If we believe that, North should be, shouldn't be the sole knowledge producer and the South shouldn't be the sole knowledge user. user. If we believe this fact, we need to change our perspective, the way we see things. And we also need to change our effort that North is calling the South 
please come and join our effort and let us make the scholarly publishing world equitable. No, it shouldn't be like that. We need to meet in the middle. But how can we do that? How can our societies, our journals can do that? I would like to propose before you that we need to make four realizations. First, we need to realize that as a society, definitely we are responsible to our disciplines, to our members. But this is not only the opportunity that we have before us. This is not only the uh, this is not the only responsibility that we have with us. A whole world is our uh, our field. We need to act there. So our responsibility doesn't belong to the country or the city or the region where our society has its uh, head office. We need to bring and work together with other entities working in the same discipline, having the similar kind of vision to take science forward, knowledge forward. Our second realization is in our conferences, which we often organize as a part of our uh, mandates, we need to discuss beyond science. We need to discuss the system, which is quite dynamic. We need to discuss the structures within which our knowledge work, the knowledge that we create. Alps or uh, SSPs, these are not the organizations that should be talking about equity, open research. Our societies should also talk about it. We should be, we should, we should change the way we talk in our conferences. The third thing is we need to realize that to create a collective narrative that I have just mentioned in the previous slide, if we really want to make it inclusive, we need to identify our regional and international partners so that we can jointly organize dialogues, conversations, and we can contextualize the issues that we often talk uh, in, the, in the North. We need to contextualize it for the South, for a particular region, for a particular country. That's quite important. And finally, it has been uh, highlighted in different recent studies, surveys, reports that there are there is a kind of a, what do you call it? Uh, there is a there is a different way, different understanding. Uh, what do we mean by? editorial standard in the, in the South. So not with this vast legacy, vast understanding and heritage of scholarly publishing, we can always work with the South to improve their understanding and capacity regarding editorial standards. We need to help them to make structural changes like recruitment and promotion, promotion uh, rules we need to uh, talk about the importance of changing, appreciating different types of journals, segregating them according to their quality, and why it is important to do so. There are so many open resource uh, technology available, but the adoption rate might be low in certain parts of the world. We can help them, guide them, we can work with them to make that ad adoption uh, much more effective. How indexing can help a journal not only to create impact but also to sustain that kind of realization need to 
need to be uh, need to be coming uh, within the societies in the world. But how can we do that? Well, we need to harness, capitalize, and collaborate with different expertise and entities that are available throughout the world. Those could be organizations within a country, like in Bangladesh. We have almost 50 years old Bangladesh Academy of Sciences. They have been doing fantastic work for the researchers and scientists of Bangladesh. If we focus on a particular section of our target audience, we can focus on the youth. There, are, there is a global youth academy, a young academy, and they have country chapters like National Young Academy of Bangladesh. We can work with them. We can work with uh, INASP, although it is not based in the global south, but it is trying its best to move more um, uh, to the south. But it has got 30 odd years experience. And they have been producing so many fantastic uh, uh, products like uh, Author Aid. Uh, I have been associated with that for uh, since uh, 2009. And that particular project actually have brought together more than 22,000 researchers from all over the world. They have project called Journals Online, which, is, uh, which made my journal, which is being published from Bangladesh, a global journal. They have created new tools like journal publishing practice, uh, practice and standards. JPPS. To conclude, if we want to make a transformation, not only our perspective, the way we see things, but also our efforts. Definitely technological innovations, we will be discussing about it uh, today and uh, tomorrow. It has, it has made a fantastic, uh, what do you call it, advancement over the years. It is never ending, isn't it? But innovation is not only about technological innovation. We need to be innovative about how, how we make our policy more inclusive, more diversity friendly. How, we change, how can we change our practice? How can we change our colleagues, staff and members more aware of these things? So technological innovation, as well as policy and practice change can definitely increase the value and impact of our journals, but also it will uh, ensure or con contribute to the organizational sustainability as well. Thanks to Dr. Irfanula for his insight into making our policies more inclusive in research. It all starts with changing the narrative and looking beyond just technological advancement. We need to ask ourselves, is our system equitable? But for whom? Who is going to make it equitable? And what are the major areas to intervene? That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. For Wiley, I'm Stephanie Wilson, and you can find more episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing in iTunes or wherever you like to listen. You can get more news and information on society publishing from Wiley on Twitter by following us at Wiley in Research and on our website, wiley.com slash network slash society leaders. Our theme music was produced by Medine, and this episode was edited by Dennis Velasco. Thanks for listening.